Today we sit with Bonnie Tinder, CEO and founder of Raven Intel. Bonnie provides a detailed view into launching a startup and she gives us some do's and don'ts in the life of an entrepreneur. Here's Bonnie. Well, I'm sitting here with Bonnie today, and I am so thankful, Bonnie, for the time that you're giving us on this interview. Um, Bonnie launched Raven Intel in the last year, and I'm just, just delighted to interview you, so thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, thanks for having me. Well, tell us a little bit about your journey. Tell us, so the last year must have been extremely insightful and exciting for you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your life before Raven, yeah. your corporate experience? Awesome. Uh, well, I founded Raven uh, approximately 18 months ago. We, we launched publicly uh, uh, just a year ago, as you mentioned. And I've spent the last 25 years or so in the technology industry and specifically mm -hmm. uh, working for human resources software companies. And really my um, background has been in marketing as a function, although you know, in that my career I've held a whole bunch of different roles within these HR tech companies, including implementation, I've done sales, uh, but I have been in marketing really for the last 15 years. And I have always wanted to start my own business. I feel like I've always been entrepreneurial even since the time I've, I've been a kid mm -hmm. um, and the time was just right in my life to start this business. And Awesome. Yeah. Well, tell me about corporate though. What did you like about corporate? And obviously there's a huge uh, distinction between corporate life and your life now. Tell us a little bit about your life before. What did you love about corporate? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it really taught me everything that I know about my industry that um, I continued and even after starting my business and I think having that background experience working so long in the industry mm -hmm. was really critical for me to totally understand the problem that I was trying to solve through my business so um, I think as an entrepreneur it's so important to have walked in the shoes of customers and so working in corporate life really gave me that perspective. I think, but equally important too, is it showed me what great leaders look like, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. particularly great CEOs look like. I've had two um, really in the past um, 10 years that were foundational really in my journey. And I aspire to be like uh, both of them and having witnessed and worked for those leaders uh, taught me a lot about what good looks like. Cool. So was there any time in your corporate life that you really felt like, wow, I've arrived. This is it. This is all I've ever strived for. And I'm really happy. And this is what the rest of my life will look like. I think my career journey has, has always been good and I've been really satisfied and and there's some jobs I've had that I've absolutely loved in some companies that I've worked for that I think the world of and continue to um, I think that if I did not start a company and and 
you know, really live this entrepreneurial life, there would have been something missing in my mm -hmm. career track. I think that that um, was one of those things that, you know, was a dream that I had. Um, but things that I loved about working in career uh, or corporate life was, I mean, number one, it's stable mm -hmm. and um, you can't beat that. You know, entrepreneurial life is the opposite of that. And, um, you know, working within a team, having the resources um, that you do working in a mm -hmm. corporate environment with budgets and, and all of those things. Um, what I didn't appreciate was um, how little I had to worry about stuff. Um, you know, the, the many, many details that go into running a business because you run your functional area and that's great. Mm -hmm. um, whereas a, as a business leader, you have to worry about everything. Um, so I think, you know, getting really deep in one functional area is great in corporate life. Um, and it's something, you know, that, that teaches you to be really good in a particular stream. I love that. Um, I'm connecting with what you said um, at some point in, in this last question, something was missing. So, so there was something there that you felt that no matter what corporate light, life had for you, something was still missing. Like there was something that you were looking for that mm. would never be answered by working in corporate. Would you say that's, that's true? Yeah, I think that if I hadn't started a business and, you know, got to the end of my career life and hadn't done it, it would have been always, that would have been a big regret. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I did it, I was 45 years old. And I mean, by, by today's standards, that's even like a geezer, you know, in terms of starting <laughs> a company. Um, so, you know, in terms of, of the timing being right, if I hadn't done it, uh, when I did, I don't think I ever would have. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So what made you leap forward? What what made you, what was it that uh, tipped the scales for you and made you think, okay, this is it. The timing is now. Mm -hmm. Well, number one, I, I'd saved some money um, mm -hmm. because I knew that, you know, whenever you start a business, uh, you have fundraising and all, all that sort of stuff mm -hmm. to sort of get things off the ground. And I wanted to, I, I wanted to start off the ground running so I saved you know some money up so I had a nest egg in which to start the business and I could okay. invest from there so I mean from a time perspective things were right there um, I also you know in terms of just sheer family situation you know my husband had some stability with his job as well so that was an important um, part of the equation where we sort of we were in this together and I think that's really important when you're making a big change is that if you're making a significant change especially that's going to um, cause some disruption when it relates mm -hmm. to things like benefits and pay and all of those things you've got to be on the same page and so you know I, we were both on the same page and sort of knew that it was a stepping stone in the journey and it wasn't going to be like oh you know we're going to live high on the hog this year it's like okay. you really we were, we were in it together you know the other aspect of it was that I had the concept in my mind of what I wanted to start and you know well you know you you really cannot do anything until you you leave your your company that you're with just from a sheer ethical and mm -hmm. intellectual property standpoint um, you know I did sort of talk to the concept of it with a couple of business leaders and they were very receptive to the idea so much so that I felt like 
okay, there's something here that somebody is going to potentially write a check for, you know, if I were to do this. So I wow, think getting the input huge. of other of others and, you know, other people that you trust who have, have been a success before to say, hey, does this, this idea have some merit? And I think a combination of those things really was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my eggs into this basket. Okay, so number one you said was nest egg, then there was the stability of careers within the home, there was a balance between the two of you where you felt like the time was right and you could really leap forward now, as well as then you had the, uh, that affirmation from industry leaders that you felt like this was going to be, re uh, the industry would be receptive for what you had. So tell us about Raven Intel. I mean, it sounds cool. <laughs> Describe what it is and how it stands in the industry. Well, if you think about the name Raven Intel, mm -hmm. we provide customers with a bird's eye view of enterprise software implementations and the consulting partners who actually lead those implementations. Mm -hmm. And at our core, we are a peer review site. So we're very similar to like a Yelp or Glassdoor, TripAdvisor, something like that. But we collect customer feedback about enterprise software projects. Okay. So a customer can come out to our site and read real peer reviews of, of, like of other customers who have gone through a similar process and make a well-informed decision about the partner they choose. I'm wondering what that must have looked like when you first launched. What it would have looked like for the other, for the industry as a whole, and then for the specific customers you were targeting. At first, um, you know, it was it was a big challenge. Mm -hmm. And how so? Well, we didn't have any reviews to start with, and so you know. The first conversations that we had with software vendors and with the consulting firms who were getting reviewed were, were really tough. Mm -hmm. Our product brings transparency in the industry and we represent the real voice of the customer, unfiltered. So scary for the big players out there. For sure. And we were not greeted warmly um, by, by, most, by most firms, quite honestly. Um, and so what we did was instead went direct to customers and um, started interviewing them about projects. And it was it was a challenge to, to get in front of those customers and get those interviews done and those reviews completed at first. On the other hand, when we had, I think it was a hundred or so and, and and started looking at the data in aggregate, all of a sudden, people were starting to understand what we were doing and that we were truly putting the customer um, first in, in terms of, you know, this was gonna benefit them. And so conversations started changing and, and um, you know, to this day we still struggle with uh, some software vendors and mm -hmm. some consulting firms not loving this mm -hmm. um, and, and really in, in some cases hoping that we would go away. <laughs> Um, but, but, but customers love it. And the fact that they can go out and, you know, use an independent source for free and do research has been a tremendous benefit for them. So what I'm wondering is what those first conversations might have sounded like with the vendors when you were so new, right? Like, 
who are you? Mm-hmm. Why would we need someone like you? What can you give us a quick uh, insight on on any of those conversations? Right. And it was I wasn't even trying to sell anybody anything <laughs> at that point. All I wanted to do was talk to customers and um, you know, I, I think the initial conversations were, you know, we're here to amplify the voice of the customer. And, um, you know, I thought, I, you know, all we want to do is just do some interviews with some of your customers and ask them about their implementations. And, um, you know, I think the response was, no, we want to really silence the voice of our customer. That's why we have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I mean, there's there was a couple of really intense conversations where, you know, I, I felt like we were going to get escorted out by security after, oh, you know, funny. people realized that we were, what we were doing. But, you know, in, in so many cases, though, you know, we would go direct to the customer and, um, you know, they were the ones that really benefit, ben, benefited from the information. And so the more embedded we got with the customer community, I think the more the software vendors came around. I mean, I'll, I will tell you, though, the mm-hmm. good firms mm-hmm. and the ones doing great work mm-hmm. are the ones leaning into this program. And I can, you know, I can absolutely name those folks who, when we explained what we were doing and, you know, we wanted the voice of the customer and this would give them an, a platform to really mm-hmm. talk about the great work that they were doing on these projects, the good ones were all about you know I, I have I have several examples of you know these consulting firms who sent me a list of fifty companies to go talk to. That's awesome. So they were on board right away. So uh, yeah, you started picking up traction maybe when for, in relation to when you started. So you started eighteen months ago. At what point did you feel like well this this could really work? Yeah, I, I think around around month six. I mean those first six months though were brutal. I mean nobody at that point wanted to talk to us. Okay. Um, And I love that because this is exactly what I want to concentrate on. When things were brutal for you, mm -hmm. at what point did you or did you ever feel like, yeah, no, the lap of luxury of corporate is appealing. Let me go back to, as they would say in the Bible, the cucumbers in Egypt (laughs) and uh, go back where it was comfortable. Yeah, Um, I, I would say there hasn't been a single day in the last 18 months that have has been comfortable in wow. this okay. entrepreneurial journey and i feel like there's a however <laughs> right right um and i think that when you start a business you're asked to do a whole bunch of things that um you don't feel like you're prepared for or that you have expertise in mm-hmm. but you do it because it needs to be done and you believe in the mission and um you know i i think if it was easy everybody would do it It, and for anybody who will glamorize the startup life and and all of that um, they're lying to you or trying to sell you something because it Mm. it is not that at all on the other hand um i think when you achieve and and sort of overcome some of those obstacles that learning process and and what I feel like I have gained in the last eighteen months by trial and error and and making a ton of mistakes around, along the way and learning lessons through them, right? <laughs> right. I, I can tell you nine hundred ninety nine ways that do not work <laughs> on certain I think so things. Did, uh, Thomas Edison, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Helping ways not to create a light bulb. Well, tell us about some of the wins then. So the wins are what keep you going, right? Absolutely. 
And, and forgive me if I'm drawing that conclusion, but that's what it seems like to me that um, what you're gaining from this far outweighs the doubts and the fears and not doing it. Without a doubt. And I think some of the real high points, um, you know, is that we'll close this year with close to 600 reviews um, of enterprise software projects. And um, and that was starting from nothing. Is that meeting the goal or coming close to the goal that um, you had for where you are now? It, it I, we always are striving for more okay. reviews, um, but I feel the number is statistically significant to really start drawing some powerful conclusions. Okay. Um, we produced an industry index for the. HR software industry, and basically that's a you know set of benchmarks about the delivery of projects. So we aggregated that information and we create a quarterly index that says you know how is the health of these soft these projects going in the HR industry, and I think that that becomes now a barometer that we can look at over time uh, to see you know is this new transparency making projects more successful. Um, and so I think that's the, the, the big goal, right? Um, we're set to release a app uh, in the Apple Store, in the Apple app, app Store this week, which is There's exciting. There's an app for that. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's fantastic. So what do you think people need to know? What would you tell someone who's looking, maybe not to start exactly what you started, but... Um, maybe looking at a life change, a change in direction in their career, or maybe they are looking to start a small business. What are some things that you could share with us about do's and don'ts, um, about things that keep you going? Mm -hmm. I think um, in terms of the do is you have to do it, you know, and why? Because if you do not do it, the regret of not attaining something that you firmly, uh, that your heart desires, and you know that that you set out um, to do, um, the 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 regret is going to be worse than a, a potential failure. I and, love that. I'm going to quote you on this: the regret of not doing it will be worse than a potential failure, far worse than a potential failure. That's so good. Keep going. Tell us. Tell us more. So I think that that just do it, you know, that that y y you need to do it. Once, you've, once you have your idea and, um, you know, you've sort of tested it, um, taking that leap of faith is is important despite, okay. you know, the, the challenge that you're going to go through. Can I press further real quick on this one, taking the leap of faith? So all of this, it sounds great, but when it comes to actually earning an income and making it a reality, I, I can imagine that the fears are going to be there, but I still need to get paid. And um, would you speak to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's going to be that fear that, that you have. Um, I mean, you have to be realistic mm -hmm. as well. So you don't want to start, if, if, if you need an income to survive, uh, you're, that's probably not the right timing. Um, you know, or you need to sort of 
figure out, okay, so what what does my journey need to look like given the reality of, of my situation as okay. well? Um, however, the there's always going to be fear every day. And if you didn't have a healthy dose of fear, you wouldn't be doing anything that You're right. was really significant. And so I think that you need to trust the process and know Number one, it's not going to always feel great. You're not always going to feel like this, like, bold, um, you know, boss lady that's going to, like, conquer the world. That That is never going – I mean, like, like uh, the day that I achieve that um, is – I'll know I've made it. Um, that's going to be a good day. <laughs> yes, for sure, for sure. On the other hand, on the other hand, um, you know, you have to trust – and put your confidence in the long game, which is who I'm becoming by conquering my fears and where this is taking me. Even if I don't, you know, hit this goal that I've set out for myself, if I can, you know, keep myself accountable to the day-to-day things that I know, um, the process and the, the steps I'm taking it to reach that, even if I don't who I become in the process might be more important. That's really, really, really good. Um, any more do's? And then we'll go to the don'ts. Mm-hmm. So we've spoken to taking that leap of faith, uh, realizing that the regret will will far outweigh um, the fear of not doing it. And then um, we've talked about the trust and placing your confidence um, in in the journey of where this is taking you. What other do's would you have for our audience before we get to the don'ts? (laughs) So another do is is find your tribe. And that is not only your supporters. So those are people like my husband and my family and my mom and Laura Yu and, you. um, you know, some critical um, friends who you can go to when you are in in the doldrums of startup life and that you can be real with mm-hmm. um, they are going to help get you through that I think second of all in terms of your tribe you've got to find the people who are going to help take your business to the next level mm-hmm. whether they're contractors whether they're your full-time employees um, finding the people to breathe life into the, the vision that you set. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what I'm realizing is that, you know, I want to hire people smarter than I am in a whole bunch of different areas and let them do their thing. Um, you know, I, I you, you can, as a leader, you can set the vision for the company. You can determine, you know, how it should be priced, who's the customer, all of those hard things. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually getting that company to scale and um, you know come to life is going to rely on the people that you hire. Awesome. Well, uh, what about some of the don'ts? What would you say to someone um, or can you share some of the the lessons that you've mm-hmm. learned? In terms my my of 999 don'ts? ways that don't work. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say uh, number one is is you cannot do everything and realizing what you are good at and what gives you energy what you are better at than anybody else so finding those sort of critical things Mm -hmm. that's where you need to focus your time and you need to outsource everything else outsource Mm -hmm. the golden word 
That's right. Good. What else? So that's that's a, a, a big one. Number two is strive for balance. It's super hard, but the basic things like, um, you know, keeping your exercise routine going, mm -hmm. making sure that you're not getting overloaded. Um, you know, it's one of those things that you can work too many hours and get nothing done, or you can work really efficiently um, by giving yourself a break and focusing back, um, you know, to help solve a problem um, th that I think are really important. And I can okay. think of fruitless hours that I've spent where it would have been helpful just to take a step back and come back to something later. It didn't need to get solved that minute. So take a moment and mm -hmm. then um, reevaluate. Okay. Mm -hmm. Any more don'ts that come to mind right off the right off the bat? I would say um, you need to when you're working with um, you know outside uh, contractors and things like that. Take your time. Make sure to check references. There are entire industries mm -hmm. built on preying on small business people, and um, you know I've had a couple of situations where you know we rushed into contracts with um, external you know third parties to get something done and really um, felt like we wish that we had done a little bit more due diligence up front. We were just going too fast, needed to get something done mm -hmm. and should have um, you know, been slower to, to hire those, those folks. Okay. So thank you so much for that wisdom. That's really good and it applies across the board uh, for any small business or um, anyone in the workforce for that matter. What I would love to talk to you about now is kind of the golden concept of balance. This is obviously kind of like a child, you know, it, you've, you've created this and it's been amazing and kind of watching you from the outside, having the perspective as a uh, um, I consider you one of my dearest and best friends in the entire world. It, I've been just admiring all the energy that you're putting into this. However, um, will you speak to the balance of not having this consume your life, even though it's something that is so beautiful and it in, such, in so many ways benefits the industry? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think as an entrepreneur, you know, a lot of people who go into it do so because they they can get consumed by an idea, and that that that's in some ways that's a good thing because you want to solve a problem so badly, or you want to make something come to fruition so badly that you're willing to stop at nothing to get there. Okay. Um, with that said, um, you need to sort of pick your battles and figure out you know how you can do that, but not not be running sprints all day long and look at it more like it's a marathon and there's no way that you can be running you know sprints to to get to that 26 miles um and i mean i think there's so many parallels to starting a business and running a marathon and you know i i did that and i, I can't even tell you how many times i think back to that marathon training and the fact that you know on day one you are not going to be running mm -hmm. uh, 26 miles, right? You're going to be starting at six, and then you gradually work up every week to seven. And if you're trying to, you know, even in your mind, be running 18 miles when you're um, only capable of running 13 at that point, 
you need to trust the process. And so, you know, this idea of, you know, gradual success that you can handle and gradual growth um, and really making sure that you're um, sort of owning where you are on the journey, that one was important to me and not comparing yourself to, you know, the folks that I have, you know, have done a marathon mm-hmm. already. Yeah. Right. Knowing so that you're trusting is, the training, yeah. trusting yeah. the steps, trusting that it's a process. For sure. I love it. Um, would you say right now that your expectations are um, not necessarily met? Because I, I don't know that anyone could say that all oh, my expectations are met, but are they realistic? Are you where you thought you would be today? They're different than where I thought I was going to be today. Um, I mean, in some ways, I've exceeded what I thought that um, that where they were going to be. Um, The business has sort of iterated itself a couple of times um, into directions that I didn't necessarily um, have planned in the beginning, and yet being flexible um, and able to navigate where the market demand is and where your customers are, I think in that first couple of years are really are really key because uh, nobody really knows exactly what business that they're in, um, you know, in the first year. And or if they, it's not me. <laughs> if they do, <laughs> I didn't personally. But um, and so I think you know just being flexible like that. So um, you know the 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 actual business itself and the commercial model is slightly different than I thought it was going to be. On the other hand, um, it's been incredibly rewarding at the, the same time. So from that aspect, um, and I would say that I always knew it was going to be hard, um, but I thought, oh, you know, within two years I'm going to be at whatever at this point. And I would say that it's taken a little bit longer than I thought it would, would to get there, um, but that's okay. I mean, I just have to be patient and and really trust that um, you know when you do the right things, it's it's gonna it's gonna end up working. I think that's so wise. You're just allowing for that flexibility and kind of taking it where it leads you. That's really really good. Tell us about some of your goals. Where do you see yourself in? a year or maybe two years along the way as it as it relates to Raven Intel? Mm. Well, I mentioned before, you know, we have an app that's coming out this week for our customers and that really provides them with some incredible analytics about their data, benchmark comparisons. I think that's going to bring us to a different level and mm-hmm. a, it gives us this ability to really go out to software vendors and give them something that they never have had uh, in the past and really customize the data um, for their um, for their own employees and you know at the software vendor as well as for um, the their partners that they're managing. And so my goal is to get more software vendors on board with this particular program. Okay. And I think we've proven that model out in this year um, for a couple of really um, key customers that we've, we've signed on. And I'm excited to sort of scale that business out. 
Okay. Um, I'm also growing my team um, that is, is actually working at Raven as well. So I have a couple of key hires that I'll be making this year um, to really, again, breathe new life into the business and take things to the next level. Okay. And then where can we find you online and at the App Store? Will the app be called mm-hmm. Raven Intel Inc. or something? So um, the best place first to go is ravenintel.com. Ravenintel.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in the App Store, the uh, app is called Raven Intel and the product is called Insights. And that that app um, is actually for our customers and that gives that's sort of the gateway of all of the data Mm -hmm. um that's custom to them um so that you know you could download it out there um but knowing that it's the that version of the product is actually for our 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 customers who uh we're managing their data for okay well some incredible uh insight in today's interview i'm just so thankful i i would be remiss without asking you my golden question even aside from the previous golden question, um, which is tell us about a time that you were stuck where you felt like, wow, this is really a big blow. I, I, I don't know. What did, how did you feel and what did you do to keep going and not quit? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, <laughs> I think I told you this before. I mean, as an entrepreneur, like every day feels like a new disaster. So yeah, uh-huh. I mean, I feel like I have a, a million examples of really big challenges that 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 came about. Um, but I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you about one that um, you know I felt like I it was something new that I had had not learned, and that is um, we had. Um, a hacker try and get into our site and um you know i would see all these pings from um this you know this foreign country and and all of a sudden they were able to come in and change um you know some of our data and it was really scary because i had no idea what to do um but i um you know quickly called an it expert into the situation who really helped us, um, you know, understand how we need to apply a patch to make sure that never happens again. Um, and then also we're set up now with a different level of security and a um, company that's monitoring for that for us 24 hours a day. But going through that, um, you know, and really feeling, comp- you know, that I that that was something I had not dealt with before was scary. Mm -hmm. But now I look at it and think, okay, yeah, I know exactly how to deal with that. And it happens to a ton of businesses. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I wish I had some of those stressful hours back where I could have told myself back then it's going to be okay. Um, You know, the fact that 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 minor blip in time had no material impact on the business and, you know, now we're stronger for that as well. But I think the lesson learned in there is is what you feel like today is a massive situation you'll look at in five years and be like, you know, what? That was nothing. So and, that perspective yeah. of looking back and thinking back then, wow, this is unsurmountable. But mm-hmm. then you have the perspective like, yeah, I can I can do that. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that. What's next? That's right. What else? Right, exactly. And I think it, it also goes back to, so yes, that number one, the perspective, and number two, your tribe. So 
Who is it that you can call your functional folks so you don't have to be an expert in everything? Um, or, you know, also equally important is, is like, who can you call? Like I call you many times and be like, oh my gosh, can you talk me off the ledge here? You know, and I is- love getting those calls <laughs> because I love when I'm in that situation calling you mm-hmm. and calling my tribe mm-hmm. to uh, talk me off the ledge. That's great. Uh, what would you consider your your biggest win over the last 18 months if you could pinpoint one thing and just say wow that just that was unbelievable Mm. i never saw that coming and i'm so glad it happened so i think it was landing the uh a really important account that we had um and and how how soon was this when you from when you started Mm -hmm. It was approximately um, eight months after uh, having started the business. I mean, the contract process took a little bit longer from that, but the commitment. And I think why it was so sweet was that, you know, the vision that I had and the, um, the way that we went about solving the problem resonated with somebody enough or big company enough that they were willing to number one take a um sort of go out on a limb for a small company you know yes. that just started to do this um and but that they could see the vision as well and to to have that sort of reassurance from uh from them and their executive team was uh it just was was amazing that that went beyond what i thought it would in the first year so you never saw that coming in the sense that when you first started, did you even think that this could be possible? And now you're looking back like, yeah, this, of course it was possible. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Was there a big lesson there? Um, I think the the lesson was, you know, number one, you do, you still, even though that one kind of came quick, um, you know, in the scheme of things, it didn't feel quick at the time. Yes. It still felt like, wow, this is taking forever. Um, but with a startup, again, going back to having patience and trusting the process, um, it, it really, you know, was important to not rush through that um, or not try and rush ourselves or do something, um, you know, and try and force the client's hand because things you, you're not going to be able to speed up a process in a lot of cases and just sort of. Um, you know, putting things on simmer and working on other things at the same time, um, I think is is important. But um, yeah, patience with the process is 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 key. I love it. Well, so many accomplishments in such a little time. Uh, Eighteen months, I know, is a long time, but in the grand scheme of things, wow! Can I just <laughs> say one more time, congratulations! Thank you. I am. Just so proud of you and just uh, in any way that I can support you. I know that our audience um, has learned so much from this. So thank you for today. Thank you for answering all these questions today and for a very transparent look in the uh, insights of Raven Intel. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Any last words for our audience uh, before we sign off today? Uh, Just do it. I mean, you have a dream. If it's a passion, um, figure out uh, a way in the right time to 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 start executing upon your dream. But um, yeah, on the other hand, you got to do it, or else you'll always regret it. 
I love it. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Thanks for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you the next time on After My Last Setback with Adriana. Thank you.